Today, um, I bring before you a message entitled, Does God Really Care About Me? Does God Really Care About Me? The title is Birth because those in our text today are those who might wonder that very question. Twelve years of bleeding and uncleanness, of being separated from society and worship, She had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. I'm wondering today if she might have wondered, does God really care about me? You'll encounter a ruler today whose little girl isn't just sick, but she's died. And the father who's lost his daughter must wonder, does God really care about me? You'll hear of two blind men who must spend much of their time wondering why they can't see what others see and maybe the enemy whispers does God really care about you and then we come to a demon possessed man whom his family must wonder does God really even care about him or us so this title is not lost on the text and my assumption is it won't be lost upon you and you're situation and season of life likely where you may find yourself you may have found yourself wrestling with that very question does God really care about me it was in 1774 a man by the name of William Cooper wrestled continually with this type of question he wrote the hymn many hymns and poetry that dealt with the reality of what William Cooper often faced deep dark depression His depression was so severe and so real that Cooper even at different times attempted suicide. Later in life, he would find himself staying in the home of his pastor, John Newton. You may recognize that name. He is the author of Amazing Grace. But it's John Cooper's hymn or William Cooper's hymn that I want to draw your attention to here that he wrote in 1774. Listen to the words of it as you think about this title today. Does God really care about me? God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. Later He says, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Then listen to this. I think it's the fourth stanza of his, His hymn. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. William Cooper dealt with being broken, beloved. I think we all here today struggle with being broken. Whether it's death, disease, disorder, even the demonic world. All of us remind, it all reminds us of our sin and our brokenness. And our brokenness is even evident, as we're going to see in the text, in the very places that we hope we won't find brokenness, amongst God's own people. Today we find shepherds, that aren't faithful. We find a harvest that is plentiful, but so few laborers. The text reminds us today that in the midst of this, there is hope because the power and compassion of Christ demand our faithful obedience. The power and compassion of Christ demand our faithful obedience. Sometimes you got to be pastor and daddy. Are you with me? I'm with you, Mama. I see you. I'm watching. 
Jesse Boys. Come on. Today, I hope and pray by God's grace to set before you these three truths. One, Jesus is the very power of God. Secondly, Jesus is the compassion of God, as you just heard Miss Catherine singing. Third and last, Jesus' power and compassion demand your faithful obedience. So let's get to it today. Jesus is the very power of God. Pick up, if you would, in Matthew chapter 9 as we continue by God's providence to make our way through this book. We come to verses 18 to 38 today. As you make your way there, remind yourself in the background of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 where it speaks of Jesus Christ being the exact representation of God's being. That the invisible God has become visible. He has made himself manifest in the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. The text reminds us that the invisible God became visible and that Jesus indeed reveals to us what we may often wonder about God. Is He indeed as powerful as we believe? Does He indeed have that kind of compassion? And if so, then what's that mean for me? So first, Jesus, the very power of God. Beginning in verse 18, it says, While He was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before Him, saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Further in verse 20, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned to see her and said, Take heart, daughter, your faith. Instantly, that woman was made well. Twelve years. I struggle with that, Father. Twelve years of discharge of blood. Likely, she is very anemic and very weak. Mark records for us, as I shared earlier, that she spent all she had on the doctors. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. To add to it, this blood, it makes her ceremonially unclean, which means she's an outcast in society and even an outcast amongst God's people. She was helpless. And when you're helpless, there's only one thing to do is run to the power of Christ. The power of God is the only hope. In this moment, she displays to us that medicine, that doctors, the best home remedies, I'm not knocking any of those, but none of those can do what only God can do. And beloved, it's just a touch. The text continues by saying to us, again, this power of God is just unveiled. Verse 27, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David! Have mercy! When he entered the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. 
That lady had 12 years of no help. These guys are blind and they're seemingly no help. The picture is glowing, growing clearer. Jesus can do the impossible because he's God. Maybe you're here and you too have sought healing everywhere else. I compel you today to come to Christ. He has the power to heal blindness with a touch. So what diagnosis or disease or disorder do you face that seems impossible? Does it seem more impossible than open the eyes of the blind? I mean, today I might ask you, how might you fill in this statement? If Jesus can do that, then I believe that He can. What is it for you? Today, would you cry out to Him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen, this isn't like name it and claim it, believe it and it's yours. For we see the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 who cries out and pleads with the Lord three times to take away the thorn the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. But beloved, he has the power to do so. So Jesus not only has power over disease and disorder, we see also in this text, as you already heard, Jesus has power over death. Remember in verse 18, that, that ruler came and it says he knelt before him and said, teacher, my daughter has just died, but you come and put your hands on her and she will live. And then... The interchange happens with the woman of blood and Jesus now continues on his journey. Verse 23, and it says, When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Further, verse 25 of Matthew 9. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her hair by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. He took her by the hand. I mean, maybe today you think he could heal the disease or disorder. He can heal blindness or bleeding, but death? You see, no one can heal death but God. And so if Jesus heals death, then that must mean that he's who? He's God. And this healing, just like with all the others that we've read about, guess what it is? It's with a touch. Now, the lady touched him. The blind man, he touched and now he touches this man's little daughter, right? I mean, you, some of you are hearing the gaithers in the background. He what? He touched me. Oh, he touched me. The story behind that song is that they had a powerful revival one night. And they later, as he got ready to get out of the car, the evangelist looked to him and said, Brother, write something. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And what joy would fill my soul. Something happened. There's something about this God that he can do what only... Only God could do. You see, there's a danger in Jesus touching her, though. According to Numbers chapter 19, that anyone who touches a dead body becomes unclean for seven days. And yet in this moment, we see that Jesus touches her and doesn't become unclean. Why? Because Jesus can touch your uncleanness and make you clean. He transforms your unworthiness. That you feel today, you're just too unworthy for God to ever use or touch you or forgive you. But one touch of the Master, and He takes your unworthiness away because of His death on the cross. And He makes you worthy. This, this moment here is just a glimpse, guys. When He takes her by the hand. 
Right, I'm thinking, oh, they're old him, right? He takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. What a day, right? I mean, that's, that is a glimmer. This is a glimpse of that day. This is a glimmer. This is a hope for some of you who have lost those that you love in Christ. This is a glimmer of what is coming, what is going to be experienced. And if you are in Christ today, this is your hope that even though you may die, oh, blessed be his name, you will live. Disease and disorders could not stop the power of God. Even death can't stop the power of God. But what about the demonic? Does Satan have power to stop the healing and the work of God? Look what happens here. Verse 32 of Matthew 9. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute. So the, the demon has made him mute, right? This is, this is a result of what the demonic power has brought to his life. And when the demon, uh, the account's short, but the power is nonetheless evident. Jesus, the very power of God. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. See, Jesus has power over demons. He is greater than Satan. He is more powerful than your enemy. The demonic world is real, beloved. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, principalities, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And therefore, he says, put on this spiritual armor and to pray in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus alone has the power to overcome satanic and demonic strongholds in your life, beloved, and the life of those that you love. You see, we need to be aware that Satan is working now to destroy this church and every church. You with me? He's warring against us. So I would compel today the Christian soldiers that you might come and might we war against this enemy, not with weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world, Paul says, but on the contrary, they have divine God-given power to demolish strongholds. Our weapons, beloved, are prayer and fasting and loving our enemies. Call out to your master today. Remember our title today was, Does God Really Care About Me? So why does it matter that God has all power? Because if someone cares but doesn't have the power to change things, it doesn't ultimately deliver you, even though it feels great that they care about you. But Jesus has all power, and He exercises that power because He cares for you. Jesus, secondly, is the very compassion of God. Jesus reveals to us through these healings the compassion and the mercy of God. And I think there's four ways that I see in this text that Jesus expresses that compassion. Number one, Jesus expresses compassion by sharing the gospel. Watch what happens beginning in verse 35 of Matthew 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, notice it says here, he had compassion for them. Why? Because, Matthew says to us, they were harassed and helpless. He defines them as like sheep without a shepherd. Notice what the text is showing us here, though. Again, when he sees these crowds and as he's healing them, as he's doing these mighty works, notice the text says again that he has compassion. He shows mercy to us. How is he doing that? Look back at the text with me, Wood. Just a couple things. Notice again. 
He went throughout all, verse 35 of Matthew 9, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You see, I think we often think that when we go to share the gospel, it is infringing upon family and friends and co-workers and others. But when Jesus goes out to show compassion, what does he do? He shares the gospel. Why? Because sharing the gospel is compassion. Do you see that? It's as Brother Todd showed us from Romans 12 this past Wednesday. We must renew our mind, beloved. The enemy will tell you that's not compassionate. He will tell you, be quiet. That's not okay here. That's not welcome on your job site. That's not welcomed in our culture. That doesn't seem sensitive. But Jesus is the very compassion of God. And what does he do? He shares the gospel. Beloved, sharing the gospel is compassion. Secondly, Jesus expresses compassion through healing. Look back at me, Wood, verse 35. So he's teaching their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And notice what it says here about him, that he begins to heal every disease and he heals every affliction. You might ask, does God have compassion? Does God care about every disease and every affliction of these people? Yes. And how do we know it? Because Jesus heals them. It's a sign of God's clear compassion, of God's mercy, that God is not okay with the sickness and disease and disorders and all that his people are facing. So then you need to ask, well, does God care about my diabetes? Does he care about my little old sinus infection I can't get rid of? Does God care about the recent injury that I've suffered from a fall? Of course, and he hasn't changed. And guess what? God is likely maybe using medicine or doctors or others. But listen, beloved, that does not mean today that you should not come out and cry to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let the church cry out today, Son of David, heal me, restore me. God, I know that you are all powerful, Lord. I know that you're a God of compassion. Father, please, if it be your will, heal and restore me. Thirdly, Jesus expresses compassion by being a shepherd. Look what it said again back verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. And notice what he says here. They are like sheep without what? A shepherd. It's interesting, this statement, this word harassed, right? It indicates to be bullied, to be oppressed, maybe unable to rescue yourselves, maybe to escape your tormentors. And some of you, you experience that in different ways. Some of you experience that type of being bullied, oppressed, maybe in your school or in your family or on your job site in different places. But listen, even in this context, what's happening here is it's likely this harassment is taking place from the shepherds, the very people that are supposed to be caring for the sheep. Jesus sees and he has compassion. It's interesting. Why? Because that word shepherd is used throughout the New Testament to speak of pastors and elders and overseers of the church. I mean, 1 Peter 5 has this clear admonition to the shepherds of the church as Peter writes there and compels them to that end. Finally, what we see in this text is there's a perfect shepherd that's come, a faithful one. But we might ask, well, how does God show his compassion to us today? By sending faithful shepherds and pastors to lead the church. To, as Jesus did, preach and teach the gospel. To care for those who are suffering from disease and affliction. To walk beside them, to pray for them. 
and to protect the church, guess what, from those who are harassing them. Maybe it's false teachers or false gospels or even false church members. The shepherds today are an act of God's compassion to God's people. Fourth, how does Jesus, the very compassion of God, listen to what he does in verse 37 and 38. Jesus expresses compassion to us by compelling us to pray. Look what he says here. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Beloved, the issue is not the harvest. Notice what he says about it. The harvest is what? Plentiful. It's a reminder, too, before you feel the stress and the weight of that. It's not your harvest. It's not my harvest. It's not the harvest of Greensburg Baptist. Notice what's called here at the end of verse 38. It's his harvest. But God in his sovereignty has designed and created the church to take this gospel message to a lost and dying world. That's God's plan one. It's the church. It's the spirit of God indwelling you, beloved. To take this gospel out. And look what it says here. Again, God is, how does this come about? Look what he says here. The harvest is plentiful. The issue is there are few, what? Laborers. That's the issue, right? Harvest is plentiful. That's not the issue. The issue is few laborers. So what does Jesus say to us? What are we to do? Therefore, he says to us, we are to pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. Who are we to pray to? Look what he says here. To It is to the Lord of the harvest. So we're praying to God earnestly, right, specifically asking God because there's a plentiful harvest according to his word, according to what we see. And yet, let's be honest, we in this church, even we have to be honest this morning, having a dialogue that this past year we saw two baptisms. Oh, dear God, have mercy on me. Two! I know it's the Lord's harvest, beloved. I know I've got to share more. That's part of the problem. I've got to share more. It's outside these walls. Maybe you do too. Maybe we must pray and fast more. Knowing it's not our harvest. It's His. So we pray to the Lord of the harvest. And specifically, what are we praying? Look what He says here. Again, this is the commands of Jesus just directing us. We are praying to send out these laborers into His harvest. So consider this for a moment again as we think about the compassion of Jesus. That as we come together and pray, we shared last fall that we would begin praying, God, raise up missionaries from this church who will leave here and go other places to share the gospel, to plant churches, to equip, to make disciples. And it may very well be you. It may very well be your children or grandchildren. But I want to encourage you, as you pray to that end, you are praying for God to express his compassion to a lost and dying world by answering that prayer and raising up and sending missionaries. I want you to realize today that as you pray, 
for God to raise up more Sunday school teachers or more bus drivers or children or youth workers or wherever it is in which we have few laborers. Beloved, you are praying for the compassion of God to be expressed. Your prayers are desiring, God, show your compassion. So Jesus is the very power of God. Jesus is the compassion of God. I pray it moves you to worship, but also this text shows us that we are to respond to Jesus' power and compassion. It demands our faith. Jesus' power, this great power to, to raise the dead, to heal blinded eyes, to cause the sick, to cast out demons, right? This great work of healing and mercy and compassion, it demands our faith. Look, let's, let's just walk back to the text for a moment. While he was saying these things then back in verse 18, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but listen to what he says, Lay your hand on her and she will what? She will live. Not she might live. He says she will live. That's insane faith. She's dead, but Jesus, you have the power to make her alive. And some of you, listen, again, I'm not just talking physically. Just for a moment, you need to push into the spiritual realm. And you've got lost family members. You've got lost co-workers. You've got lost loved ones that you care about. And they are spiritually dead. But I want you to know today there is a God who can make them live. What an expression. That's insane faith. She's dead. But you come. God, you come. Jesus, you're God. You come. She will live. So Jesus' power and compassion demand your faith. Even the darkest. This is the darkest of dark, isn't it? The most hopeless of hope. I mean, she's dead. Listen, we all know it from experience. Moments when we can sing the songs. Moments when we can amen the pastor. But man, when it's you that's in that deep dark, it's just hard. Guess what, beloved? We need. We need the church. We need one another to come alongside and say, Brother, I'm with you. Sister, I'm with you. Arm to arm. Knee by knee. I will pray and intercede when you are weak. I will, I will, I will labor long for you. Beloved, I want to ask in this church here, who right now, if you are suffering, would you reach out to? Do you have, have you made enough connection relationally with people in this church, communing, that you feel comfortable? Beloved, I want to ask you, who do you know right now in this church that is suffering? And maybe, listen, beloved, it's not that they don't know the truth of who God is. Sometimes just in the storm, it's just hard to see. Are you with me? How might you today go to them and pray with them, exercising your faith in Jesus? I want to compel you again. That reminds us the importance of community. As we look to return back to Sunday school, as we look, as we launch further, coming soon, we are looking for small groups where we're going to spend intentional time praying for one another. Beloved, we need the church. We need each other. But look again, this, this Jesus' power and compassion, they, they demand our faith. Again, back now to the lady, right, who had been suffering from, from bleeding for 12 years. Look what it says she does in verse 20 of Matthew 9. She touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, notice what she says, not I might, not I may, but I will, what? Be made well. And then look what Jesus does. Jesus turned and seeing her. He said to her, 
take heart, daughter, your what? Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. It's interesting here as you look at this statement here. She touched the fringe of his garment. Some of you may have translations that render it tassel. What's happening here? It's back in Numbers chapter 15, beginning verse 37. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels, right? So that fringe of the garment on the corners of their garment. So you hear that, right? That this is the background of this. This is what's happening. Jesus has this on throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember. All right. So this is the reason why here's his four, right? Here's his reasoning to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord. And he says to do them. It's interesting, right? That this, this lady comes to this season here where she is struggling. She is weak and she is hurting. And she reaches out and says, Lord, if I just touch the fringe of his garment, if I just touch that, why? Because there's a remembrance of the Lord's commands, of who God has called her to be. And maybe in that moment she reminds herself that she can't fulfill the Lord's commands perfectly. But praise be unto God, there is one who did. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the true Messiah, the, as these blind men said, the Son of David, the long-awaited King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, to the one to whom she reaches is the one who can fulfill the law for her and bring healing to her. It is both by grace through faith that this lady will be healed and that you and I will be saved. But it's also interesting. Look at the text can finishes here in Numbers 15, verse 41. I am the Lord your God. Notice what it says about who God is. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Maybe in the midst of her thinking about these tassels, she is also reminded that they are a reminder of God's faithfulness and His grace. And in that moment, she looks out and reaches out to know that there is one that who has delivered people from impossible bondage before. Beloved, there's a bondage breaker today. There is a deliverer. His name is Jesus Christ, the one true Messiah. Today, would you reach out to Him? Jesus' power and this compassion demand your and my faith. Back to the blind men, verse 28. Do you believe that I'm able to do this, he asked them? They said to Him. So the question is, right, do they have belief? They said to Him, yes, Lord. Beloved, sometimes I think we make it too complicated. The Lord ultimately knows the heart. It's just, yes, Lord. Do you believe today that I'm able to forgive you, to wash away your sins, to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God? Yes, Lord! Oh, God, I pray you will stir the baptismal waters that the power of your Spirit goes forth. They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, and this is what he says. According to your what? faith be it done to you you see jesus power and his compassion demand our faith our obedience it's just this beautiful moment right as a reminder guys listen we we don't know how perfect their faith was jesus just says your faith I think it's a reminder to us today that our faith ultimately doesn't do the healing. God does. Our faith doesn't ultimately do the healing. It's our faith, right? God does. So listen, it's not necessarily the size of our faith, but the size of our God that our faith is in. Are you with me? Because there's not always, none of us, listen, listen. 
None of us here have perfect faith. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. So, beloved, as you look out today, some of you are thinking, if I just had a perfect enough faith, then maybe I would be healed. If I just had perfect enough faith. No, beloved, listen. Now, listen, I'm struggling today. Come on. I'm struggling to believe this text today. I'm wrestling with it in my own life today. And listen, beloved, the truth is we must get our eyes off the size of our problem and get our eyes on our God because when we see how big our God is, we'll see how little our problem is. But often it's hard when you see your problem. It just looks so big in front of you that you can't see the glory and the greatness of your God. Jesus' power and compassion demand our faith. I think after hearing this text, maybe an important question. There's all kinds of questions you might ask, but I think an important one will be this. Maybe you're here today and you're sick. Maybe you've got a disease or disorder suffering from an injury I, I don't know what it is for you and you might just wonder like what should i do now listen some folks are going to take this text and they're going to run after naming and claiming healing right i don't think that's necessarily matthew's intention but i do also think that for many of us the danger is not naming and claiming we read this and think that's what he did then but that's not what he'll do now so if you're here and you're longing for healing you're wondering hey wh- what would the scriptures compel me to do Here's where I would counsel you today as we we close out this message. James chapter 5. Listen to to this question he asked, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? So the issue again is similar to what we're dealing with. Sickness. Let him, notice what he's called to do first. Call for the elders. Again, that word, pastors, shepherds, overseers of the church. The call. And let them pray over him. So now they call for the leadership. Now they're praying. Third, again, you're just asking, listen, I'm sick, I'm struggling. What might I do? What might I do in response? Because I believe Jesus has the power to do it. I know that He's compassionate. I want to be obedient to the Scriptures. I want to seek the Lord. If it's will to heal me, I want to be healed. Right? That's where you are today. You're you're wrestling at the same time, realizing it may not always be His will to heal, but you are at least moving that direction because of who Christ is. So call for the elders. James says, let them pray over Him. And then third, notice what he says here, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So to call for the elders, they're to pray, and they're to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what happens. James says, and the prayer of faith. There we have it again, faith. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Listen, this does not guarantee that you will be healed. That's not what James is after. But if C.W. Golf asked me, Blake, it's clear in the Scriptures, why don't more people do it? He's like, I, I just don't understand. So I, I, it's clear from the Scriptures today, I want to compel you as the Spirit leads, if you are dealing with sickness, this is specifically what the Scriptures are calling you to do. Look what he says here further. Therefore, confess your sins. And, and listen, it's one of the most beautiful times I've ever experienced in the midst of going and a sea called us to come and pray and anoint him with oil. And we, there was just a time of confession of sin in that place that was beautiful. And that's what James says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And that's when he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
So if you're here today, I would compel you to that end as the Spirit leads you. But I think all of this points to something greater than physical healing. Our physical struggles reveal the fact that we have a greater and a much bigger struggle, and that is inner, and it is sin. It doesn't matter how healthy you are outwardly, you are sick inwardly. And that struggle is, listen, to be prepared for that harvest that Matthew, as Jesus speaks about this harvest that is coming, there is going to come a harvest of judgment, beloved. Revelation 20 says there is coming a day when all the dead who are apart from God will stand and books will be opened. Books that will reveal every thought, every deed, every wicked action, every motive of your heart, every silence and dark place of gossip, every conniving, every bit of action that you and I have committed away from seemingly everyone else, but not away from God. Will any of us be able to be escape being sinless on that day? You see, the only way to be saved is the only way for these people to be healed. It's faith in the Son of God. There's only one way to be saved from the wrath and the judgment of God that is to come. And listen, beloved, it's not perfect faith that saves you. It's a perfect Savior. You with me? It's not your, you're not going to have perfect enough faith like, oh man, now I got it. It's faith in a perfect Savior who perfects your faith, who overcomes your weaknesses and faults. Beloved, I compel you today, cry out to Him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. And for those of you who are sick, I compel you to come and cry out to Him. I compel you in light of James 5 to heed the Scriptures. I compel us as a church to hear the call that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, let us pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up and send out laborers for His vineyard. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the power of Christ. We thank you for your compassion. Father, we come now pleading with you for mercy and grace. For I know there are many here who are sick, Lord, who need your healing touch. Father, I pray now that you would strengthen us, increase our faith, O Lord. Let us be as that man in Mark 9, just honestly confessing, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Let us believe. Let us cry out to you. Give us the grace if it is not your will to heal us here and now. But Lord, let us not doubt. Strengthen us. Strengthen other brothers and sisters, God, to come alongside of us. Let this be a church of faithfulness, of prayer, of fasting. A place of crying out to God for the Son of David to have mercy upon us. Father, I pray now for those who are lost apart from you. God, I pray that they would see the beauty of Christ today and they would cry out to Him for forgiveness. Father God, may You draw them and speak unto them. I pray for the glory of Christ. Amen, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, 
Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.